0: Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Can this mortgage be saved? Lots of folks are still underwater and in distress. Is there something that can be done? What is the state of the union? That's what we're going to talk about today. And we've got a great guest on the Real Estate Guys radio program. estate continues to drop belize property is on the rise and many experts think the best is yet to come but don't just take my word for it come experience belize firsthand at our upcoming investor field trip when you join us you'll discover the many reasons we love belize like tremendously undervalued beachfront land super low taxes ease of doing business and so much more get the details at realestateguysradio.com just click on events See paradise for yourself. Click events at realestateguysradio.com and I'll see you in beautiful Belize. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for joining us today. I'm your host, Robert Helms. In the co-host seat this week, it's the godfather of real estate, Bob Helms.
1: Great to be here. I've been looking forward to this. It seems like it's been a long time since I've done a show.
0: Well, it's good to have you on the show. Russell Gray on assignment this week, but we've got an interesting topic today. You know, in our past, we've got lots of shows where we talked about loan modifications and short sales and all the things that happened when the market was tanking. And, and here we are years later, and there are still toxic assets out there. There's still lenders who are attempting to foreclose on properties that they may or may not have standing on. There's the whole robo-signing issue that's uh, been settled here in the last couple of months. Lately, we've got some cities that are declaring bankruptcy, and a great part of the reason they're declaring bankruptcy is because property tax revenues have not come in from these very problem properties. And uh, we're going to really delve into what's the state of the union today. Now, I guess we'll start by saying that uh, these are interesting times. You, in your decades and decades of experience probably haven't seen this particular phenomenon happen.
1: I certainly have not, and neither has anybody else. In fact, we could throw up our hands and just say, wow, it's terrible. However, that isn't going to get us any place. The interesting part about this is, in fact, if you sit back and you study what's been going on, what is going on, the overwhelming evidence is that Nobody, and I mean nobody, was prepared for this to happen. Yes, there are people who predicted that we would have the disaster that we have in the economy, but I'm talking about the people involved in the lending business, the bankers, the institutions, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, all of the banking industry simply was not prepared to handle this crisis, let alone predict it. Yeah,
0: you know, everybody can complain that they've done a lousy job, which certainly they have. But at the same time, you know, Bank of America hired something like 55,000 people just to work on problem loans. Now, just understand that from a business perspective for a minute. There's a bank that is a for-profit enterprise who have to hire thousands and thousands of people to work on something that brings in zero revenue. In fact, all it does is mitigate loss. Now you've got to try to train those people on doing something that hasn't really ever been done to a large scale. Sure, in the past, if you got, you know, 10 years ago, you had a problem paying your loan, there'd be a way to work it out. I mean, you used to work with workout departments of banks years ago. Short sales were around 10, 20 years ago, but not anywhere near the volume that they are today, and the State of the Union has changed. Then you add the federal and state regulations on top of that, and the different municipalities and and the uh, local jurisdictions that have some say, and this thing gets to be a tangled-up mess.
1: It gets there in a hurry. As a matter of fact, we've been aware for a long time, I've been saying uh, in a joking kind of way, although it's not at all funny, That we're broke everywhere, at every level, every municipality, every city, every county, every state, the federal government. We're we're hurting every place we turn. We're underfunded. You, You go to a place like California, a place that's beautiful, scenic, has had a phenomenal budget, is in fact the largest state in the union, and its gross national product and economy is larger than many of the nations of the world, and yet they can't pave the roads in California. The place is a disaster, and that's just the tip of the iceberg, but it looks like everybody else. Everybody is in financial trouble. You mentioned in your introduction one of the pretty frightening things that's sort of second, third-tier level. We have the city of Stockton, which is wrestling with bankruptcy, and that's principally because they are the foreclosure capital of California. They have more foreclosures in action which translates into fewer people paying taxes than any place else in California. And they're not the biggest city in California, but from their revenue, they're so impacted, they have no way to get out of this on their own.
0: Yeah, and we're saying they're not the first uh, city. They're just in the news this week because they're here teetering on, on bankruptcy. There's other cities that have gone bankrupt across the country, and it's not only because of the housing market, but it is sure a big part of it. Let's look at what's happening, just kind of global picture. In case you haven't tuned into this story recently, a couple months back was the big robo-signing settlement. So in order to understand that, you have to understand that the banks were doing so much volume in refinances and purchases and newfound investors who were out as the prices were going up, and it doesn't matter where you want to place the blame, but banks were were handling so much volume that they couldn't legitimately figure out a way to get somebody with the proper authority to sign a lot of the documents, so literally there's stories of, of men and women who were hired just to sit in a room and sign documents. Page after page after page. One report, they were averaging one set of documents every 90 seconds. These are hundreds of pages of documents that are supposed to be read and attested. And many of the names were signed by different people using different types of signatures, and it was a big, ugly mess. Now, there was a lot of the folks saying, oh, well, that means that the lender doesn't really have standing, and that means that there really is no loan, and I got my house for free. Well, in a few cases, uh, judges did set aside mortgages, but that is absolutely the exception. In fact, the way Martin Andelman says it, and this is what, something he said recently, if you were to take all the folks who got out of their mortgage scot-free and put that in a pile next to a pile of all the mortgages that have been successfully modified by working through HAMP and the mortgage lender and the system – it would be like a little dollhouse compared to the Empire State Building. So there's a lot of folks out there who are claiming that you can get a quiet title action and get the whole mortgage set aside. It is possible, but I sure wouldn't bank on it, and I sure wouldn't bet my home on it. It is the vast exception, not the rule. But – the robo-signing debacle was a big deal. There was some culpability in that, and basically there was a settlement that came out where federal and state officials agreed, all but one state. There was one state that held out, Oklahoma. Everyone else said, okay, we'll we'll agree to this settlement. Now, what's interesting about this settlement is, while it is with the nation's top five services, Bank of America, J.P. Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo, Citigroup, and Ally Financial that was formerly GMAC— it is providing financial relief to homeowners, but it also does not preclude the government from pursuing additional action against these services and banks. And it doesn't mean that individuals don't have a right to sue. So there was a lot of controversy over this settlement that was for billions of dollars, but really a drop in the bucket. And what it, what it all shakes out at is, is this. Basically, it's about $2,000 a house if you were foreclosed on illegally because of robo-signing. So I don't think that comes anywhere near towards the damages that really were sustained if that was the case, but, but that's what it is. Now, again, it also didn't really have anybody giving up their rights. Now, let's layer that on this whole MERS thing. Now, MERS makes this even more complicated, and if you don't remember the, the acronym, it's the Mortgage Electronic Registration Systems. This was actually set up in the mid-90s, in 1995, and it was designed to streamline the mortgage process by using electronic commerce to eliminate a lot of the paperwork. And really what the idea what behind MERS was, it was put together as a separate entity by a lot of the big mortgage lenders. And the idea is this. In most jurisdictions, when you record a lien against a property, a note, a deed of trust, uh, evidence of a mortgage against a a property, you have to go to the county and and record that. And they facilitated a way where many mortgages, almost two-thirds of all mortgages in the United States, were recorded as the owner of the loan being MERS, not the individual bank. So say a bank closed a mortgage, and it was one that they kept. It was a, a mortgage they made with their own funds. They were going to reserve the right to resell that mortgage, which they often do, and rather than having to re-record that document every time that it transferred, which could be a lot, right? Some mortgage brokers would initiate a loan, and it would get sold three times in the first six months. So instead of having to re-record it every time, the recorder's office had MERS on the document, and then all MERS had to do was change the title internally, or so the story went. As long as values were going up, as long as properties were trading, there was no problem. When the music stopped... There was a huge problem, and now a lot of the courts held that MERS was not, in fact, the owner. MERS could not produce the owner, and in many cases, that's because of what we hear called the slicing and dicing, that these loans, collateralized debt obligations and other securities, are put together based on pieces of loans. Picture 100 loans, we divide into into 100 pieces and mix it all up, and now everyone who takes one of those loans has one 100th security against 100 different properties, that makes it more stable as an investment, allegedly. But when it comes time to execute your rights, like on a foreclosure, then who owns the property? And so this idea of MERS may have been a good one, but the implementation of it certainly didn't work out like they thought. So now there's this whole MERS issue. And so that makes this thing even more complicated. So here's what we want to focus on today. Imagine you're one of the homeowners or even investment property owners because the new HAMP Tier 2 program is actually encompassing non-owner occupants as well. But imagine that you're one of these property owners that has a problem mortgage and either your rate adjusted to a place where you couldn't afford it anymore or you had a hardship or there's some reason that you can't make your mortgage payment. When you got the mortgage, here was the deal. Mr. Lender, if you'll give me the money for the mortgage, then I will either pay you back or you can take the property. That was the deal. Everyone knew the deal from the beginning. That was the deal. When we get into this strange area where all of a sudden the uh, prices are down and the values are less and mortgage rates on individual loans are going up because of the adjustable rates and all that, now we're in this new territory and lots of folks said, well, okay, Mr. Mortgage Lender, here you, you take the property back. But to your point, Bob, earlier, the lenders weren't staffed, weren't ready to accept properties. Many times you wanted to do something called a, a deed in lieu of foreclosure closure, you're like, listen, I'm just done. Here, Mr. Banker, take take it. They wouldn't even do that. They, they wouldn't even have the manpower to do that. So it's been a really, really strange time watching all this evolve.
1: They wouldn't even talk to you about it. And, and I think if you look at just how convoluted it is, it's not too hard to understand. The banks would like to be out of this position just like we would. And they're doing an awful lot to try and improve it. Bank of America hiring 55,000 people, in my mind, says they're doing a lot. It's convoluted because of several things. If you go back to the premise... Was that a good idea, what MERS was trying to do? There's actually a precedent for that that's regularly used. Title companies, when you record something with a title company, they have a whole block of boilerplate that is standard stuff that's just set aside. You don't get that every time you review the documents, but you get that when you get your final document. So it's common to try and simplify this process by making it automatic and setting aside a lot of the boilerplate stuff. Now overlay the the dicing, the mortgage-backed securities where your security is not a property, it's a little piece of a lot of properties, suddenly what it becomes is untenable. It becomes unworkable and If you're the guy who needs the recourse on a foreclosure, what have you got? You've really only got one thing. You've really only got that recourse back to the property via the deed that you had. So what can you do if you're the lender? What's the lender's option? The lender simply can work something out with you or take the property back with a deed in lieu of foreclosure if they had a willingness to do it or foreclose. Now, you might say, what's the lender's choice? The lender certainly doesn't want the property back. They never wanted it to start with. So foreclosure really is their last objective. Why wouldn't they take it back with a deed in lieu of foreclosure? Well, that's only a little bit better. It's cleaner. It doesn't have all the nastiness of a foreclosure. But what? They're still taking back the property. That's not their business. Their business is to take funds, put them out, make a profit, and keep rolling along. Well, of course, that only happens when everything is still the same. And when we talk about everything being the same, you mentioned, and I like this, when you said, that's the deal. We all know what the deal was. Well, it's not the deal that's changed. It's the circumstances of life.
0: So guess what happens when that happens? We change the rules. We make a new deal, right? If you and I have a deal, and I'm going to buy your five gallons of ice cream for $10, and then your ice cream melts... Well, then the deal changed. Doesn't mean I'm not interested. I might want melted ice cream, but I'll just pay less for it. Or I'll give you some now and some later. Or we'll put it back in the freezer. Something will change. So lots of the lenders are now saying, all right, tell you what, let's modify your loan. Let's change the terms. Let's forgive some of the interest. Let's bring the interest rate back down. In some rare cases, principal reductions. They would like to be able to do that on some hands, but then there's also the all of this murkiness with what really makes sense for the lender. So today... Let's just fast forward. Where are we? Today, you're the person in distress. A lot of folks are getting up every day and making their mortgage payment on a loan that is higher value than the property. And you know what? That's fine. If you like your house, if you like where you live, if you can afford the payment, no worries. But there are lots of people still making payments, keeping their loan current on homes that are technically not worth even the amount of the loan. But that's not a problem. The problem becomes when you're in a situation where you can no longer make the payment or You'd like to be able to make the payment, but because of what's just happened in the last year, two years, whatever the case is, you've got accrued interest. You've got penalties. You've got to get in a conversation. It's been very difficult for the lenders to staff up to even get into these conversations, and then there were lots of trial loan modifications that didn't go through for whatever reason. Now, it's kind of a new day, and there is an opportunity that the HAMP program, which we aren't exactly fans of, but we'll give you some resources before we're done where you can kind of check out the new evolution of that. At least they're finally making some progress. And there's some ways where you can figure out where you stand. The hardest thing as a borrower today is to know whether you have any leverage, any recourse, any position. Do you have it in your favor to be able to get a modification, or are you just out of luck? we come back, you're going to meet our guest, who is a gentleman that helps people every day get to the bottom of that question. It's pretty fascinating stuff. And uh, before we're done, we're also going to give you a chance to win a prize. And we will going to give you a lot of resources if you still are one of those distressed borrowers. So stay with us. I'm your host, Robert Helm. We're the Real Estate Guys.
2: Real estate investment advice right in your mailbox. Sign up for the free Real Estate Guys newsletter at
0: realestateguysradio.com. Hi, this is Robert Helms. When it comes to real estate investing, there are lots of terms to get thrown around. Things like cap rate, pro forma, internal rate of return. But there's one term that is arguably the most important, but few, if any, teach it due diligence that's making sure that what you see is what you get now this is really important when it comes to real estate investing and not just properties and purchase contracts but also real estate markets and submarkets. the truth is a great market can sometimes save you from a bad property of course you never want to buy a bad property to begin with but how can you be sure obviously this is a huge topic that's why it takes a ton of work in two full days to teach it but this one seminar could literally be worth millions to you over your investing career so join me in Dallas, Texas on July 20th and 21st for Analyzing Markets and Properties, The Due Diligence Process. In two jam-packed eight-hour days of classes, you'll learn how to research real estate markets and sort out the facts from the fluff. You'll also learn how to go through your purchase contracts, rent rolls, inspections, and reports to make sure the deal itself is solid. Whether you invest in houses, multi-family, retail, office, land, resort, or any other type of real estate, this information is critical for your success. To learn more and sign up today, go to realestateguysradio.com and look under events or send your email request to registration at estateguysradio.com This unique training will teach you the places to look, people to meet, and questions to ask. You'll discover the best sources for information and receive a copy of my personal due diligence checklist. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. Hi, this is Peter Schiff, and you are listening to The Real Estate Guys. And welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program, heard every weekend on this great radio station all the time at realestateguysradio.com. We're talking today about what's really happening with foreclosures. There's been a lot in the news, as we've talked about. Our guest is a guy who deals with this very issue on the street every single day. Please welcome to The Real Estate Guys radio program, Mr. Tyler Koghi. How are you, sir. Doing
3: very well. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, thanks for being on the show. Now, uh, we've actually known each other for more than a year. We've been having conversations about what you guys do, and we'll get to that in a minute. But from where you sit, where are we in this whole foreclosure thing?
3: Well, it's a good question. Uh, We are, you know, been four years into this mortgage crisis, real estate problem. uh, And a lot of experts agree that we're probably two or three years till we're out of this entire real estate mess. Okay. Uh, There's... Things like the shadow inventory that's been talked about where the banks have artificially been holding back a number of foreclosures and not disclosing that to the public. I've heard estimates up to four years of potential foreclosures in the future that we don't even know about that's not made public.
0: Yeah, okay. So now what you see, of course, is that there are properties that are in foreclosure, but the process has been really extended. It used to take just a few months for a lender who decided, hey, the borrower's in default, and we're going to have to move ahead. I mean, you guess step back, right? You When you borrow the money, you had an agreement. Either I'll make the payment or you can have the property back. And there's a process that we go through when that happens. And so a lot of borrowers in the last few years have had the challenge of not being able to afford their payments for the varieties of reasons we've talked about on the show for all these years. But when it gets to the point today
3: that the the lender's ready to foreclose, it really isn't that simple anymore. Uh, Correct. A lot of uh, more complex legal issues are happening with the way the banks have uh, processed the foreclosures, there's been a lot of times where the loans have changed hands, uh, many of major lenders have gone under, uh, the countrywides, the Washington Mutuals, and so there's a very detailed set of procedures that need to be followed in order for a lender to rightfully and properly foreclosed. They have to uh, uh, record what are called assignments, and a lot of these assignments and documents have been not done in a proper order or have been falsified, a process known as uh, robo-signing, where uh, lenders have essentially had a say a low level analyst sign off as if they were a vice president and just signed thousands and thousands of these affidavits, basically falsifying the documents in order to move through such a large volume of these foreclosures.
0: Okay, so and we've heard a lot about that, right? We've heard a lot about okay, so the banks, you know, got doesn't have the right records and so forth. There's been cases across the country where sometimes judges say, well, then you don't have the right to foreclose, and other times they say, well, that was just a a formality. So it's it's kind of a mess out. There, How does somebody figure out if they're in a situation where their property is at some level of pre-foreclosure or foreclosure, whether or not there is proper documentation, whether the lender really has standing to foreclose? What can they do?
3: They need it to have a certified auditor to go through the documents recorded on the title to their home. There are five major documents when it comes to a foreclosure. The notice of default, assignments of deed, uh, substitution of trustee, notice of trustee sale. So these documents should be analyzed for any defects, violations, or potential fraud. We know of about 38 known robo-signers Particular names that come up on these documents that uh, you know right off the bat, they've manipulated and manufactured documents and just committed outright fraud. As has been seen on 60 Minutes special, they had a hour-long uh, program about how the banks have uh, committed all this type of fraud. Yeah. So when you find that's the case, when you find that the document
0: was robo-signed or something isn't there, now what happens?
3: Well, once uh, a homeowner or an attorney has the proper information, uh, kind of take away the veil of secrecy, you know what's happened. You have the details of that specific uh, loan. Now you have leverage. Now you have leverage in... Uh, a loan modification process, uh, a short sale, uh, litigation. You're not just suing based on theoretical aspects. You're showing actual proof, black and white violations, to get a lender trustee to stop the sale, notifying them of Uh, specific violations and fraud, most of the time they're going to comply and not want to risk uh, costly litigation or intervention by a regulatory body like a department of justice or the OCC. So it's valuable leverage in uh, negotiating with your bank because they don't play fair. So you need to level the playing field.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. People just tend to figure, well, the bank, you know, they know what they're doing. But what you've discovered is so many times something wasn't done correctly. And if you think about it, back in the day when refis were going like crazy, you woke up every morning and the you know checked the price of uh, of mortgages and refied your house. There was stuff happening, and not to defend the actions that happened, but you can imagine just the sheer volume of documents necessitated something like having somebody robo signing because we just can't get to all the work, but we want the volume, right? So we see why it happened. But now in the light of day, I'm the homeowner who has the issue that I have to look at whether or not my file is a candidate for having this kind of leverage. So if I am going to go through the process and figure out, all right, here's the leverage that I have, What kind of outcomes are there? We talked about loan modification. Those are still going on?
3: Uh, Yes, loan modifications are still going on. The success rates are a little bit greater because of some modifications to the government programs like HAMP, the Home Affordable Modification Program. They've opened up the guidelines to allow investment properties and just a little bit looser guidelines that would qualify more people. Uh, we're seeing more oversight by the government, and we feel that there's more increasing pressure on the banks to comply and, and do the right thing because now they can face possible criminal charges. They opened up a mortgage fraud task force with the Department of Justice, and um, they're looking into the actions of the banking executives to see if there really is um, you know, criminal charges there.
0: Now, a couple of months ago, we heard about the big settlement, if you will, between the banks about the, some of this issue. Have you seen that have really any effect at, at the level that you're at? You're, you're talking about individual loans and, and properties being foreclosed?
3: We have. Uh, we've seen that while the settlement was being negotiated, the banks halted a lot of foreclosures to wait to see what was going to happen. So, let's say at the end of 2011, beginning of, of this year, we saw a large decrease in the number of foreclosures hitting the market. Now, once that settlement has been reached, we've seen the banks pick back up and increase the level of foreclosures significantly. So the problem is still very much there. The Settlement Act prevents the states from pursuing the banks. However, individual homeowners still can pursue civil complaints and file litigation, quiet title actions in order to fight for their house. Okay,
0: so there's really two ways or, or two situations people find themselves in. One is, all right, I wasn't able to make the payment for whatever reason. My loan, you know, tripled my payment because it was a teaser rate, or I lost my job, or whatever it is. A- and now either I'm trying to stay in the house and keep the house and, and negotiate with my lender, or I'm not. I know I have to get rid of it, and I'm just trying to buy time. Are those the, the two options?
3: Essentially, uh, let's say three options you can. Yeah, utilize it just to buy time and leave the property on your own terms. Uh, utilize it in in litigation pursuits. Unfortunately, you you kind of have to buy justice these days, and, and that's not cheap. Yeah. Uh, so it's not right for every homeowner. Uh, everybody's case is a little bit different. Some violations are more egregious than others, and pursuing litigation uh, can be good for people in the in the right situation. So. loan modification or short sale is still viable options for certain people but as long as you have the information the leverage it can help you accomplish your goal
0: okay so one of the services that you guys offer is this analysis you'll go through and you'll figure out based on the documentation of the loan where the potential weaknesses are where there might be exposure tell us about what that takes how much time is
3: that and what does that cost Uh, Generally speaking, the process takes about three to four days uh, once we pull all the title documents recorded on the property of your home. Uh, Send that over to our auditor who has uh, over a decade of experience working in uh, the trustee industry, and uh, general cost speaking, depending on if it's first lien, second lien, uh, if it's a commercial property. So there can be some variances there, but yep. overall, it's generally somewhere in the 700 to to $1,000 range. And uh, you know, it takes about a business week to process. Now, if I'm the owner of the property, do are you relying on me for
0: some documentation or are you able to pull it off from public records? We really don't need any documentation for
3: the client. Okay. We can pull that all.
0: Because I know one of the concerns people have is, well, I don't know where I put my loan documents and I don't know what I was given or what I received in the mail. And a lot of times people have their head in the sand. Oh, I'm just, I don't want to deal with it. So, so you don't need that. You just need to have their permission to go get the public
3: information. Exactly. All we need is uh, signed authorization, and we'll be able to access the documents that are recorded in on title.
0: Okay, so the first step, you're going to invest $700 to $1,000, something like that, to see whether or not you even have a case. Now you get back this list, I would imagine. What is, how does the format work? Once your auditors perform this information, now what?
3: The client will receive a report. Uh, generally, it will be somewhere around 5 to 10 pages, depending on all the details of the transaction of course if there's multiple liens and transfers from one lender to another the reports can be more uh extensive yeah uh, so it's going to vary depending on every individual situation but the homeowner will receive the report and can use that in their uh you know loan modification pursuits give that to their agent their attorney or if they're doing it themselves so, again, the, the information gives them power and gives them leverage.
0: Well, and this is kind of a change. I think when we first met, it was well, what you were doing was more just handling it for them. And today, you get to the point where for $1,000 or less, they can figure out, do they even have a case, if you will? And then how they do that, they might decide to engage an attorney. They might decide they could do it on their own. Certainly, you guys have some other services that you offer, depending on the situation.
3: Exactly. If they get into the situation where the lender isn't cooperating with them, them, that's when they should come to us for us to professionally negotiate with the bank to stop a sale. I'd say if the homeowner is facing a foreclosure date that's coming up fairly soon, they're in deep water and they should have a professional who understands how to navigate the right legal channels. But if, if they're not that far in the process, then, you know, working, the, working it out themselves in the loan modification pursuit or short sale yeah, try it themselves first.
0: Yeah, sure. And and I think, you know, we've had people that have had success with that. Uh, just because you guys have been in the position of negotiating this for now many, many years. Uh, there's a, it, there's an art to it. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and knowing the right contacts and people, uh, yeah.
0: That, that's a huge part <laughs> of it. And, uh, of course, we've heard just from people that we've uh, run into about the success stories that you've had and be able to put these things off and sometimes, you know, for months and years. And, uh, and that's really a complicated matter.
3: It can be very complicated and it's a game of leverage sometimes if they feel that there's a credible threat behind the information that we have. Establishing these relationships with the different negotiators at the trustee offices and the bank's legal departments, those are invaluable. If you know how to talk to them in the right terms, they'll stay on the phone with you. If, if they get a feeling that you're not for real, they may not even return your calls.
0: Well, there's also something about having, in any business situation, a third-party detached person, right? When I call about my home, I mean, there's if it's the home I live in, there's emotional parts of it. I'm not sure. I may say something wrong. You know, you guys are detached. You're third-party. And you can have a conversation that is, although maybe not unbiased because you've got an agenda for your client, it's not emotionally charged. You're not attached to the outcome.
3: Correct. And we generally try to approach it in a way of explaining the situation to the trustee that we're not trying to be adversarial. We've brought up these issues. We found these matters. Uh, all we're asking for is to stop the, the sale, give our client the ability to pursue the outcome they're seeking. That might be a loan modification, a short sale, whatever it might be. So this keeps them in the game and buys them time, gives them some leverage to hopefully save their home, or at least move out on their terms. Our guest today is
0: Tyler Cohee. He's uh, right in the thick of things today with uh, what's really happening in terms of foreclosure. We'll hear more from Tyler when we come back. Also, we a chance to play Real Estate Trivia, your chance to win a prize today on The Real Estate Guys. Live nationwide,
2: you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com.
4: You already know that Dallas-Fort Worth is one of the strongest real estate markets in the country. Now all you need is a great source for turnkey properties. Great news. Wilson Investment Properties has been providing fully renovated, rented, positive cash flow properties to real estate investors for over 10 years. Founder Tom Wilson is an avid investor himself. With over 200 units of his own, you know he understands what investors need. Contact Tom and his team at 888-510-6838, extension 123, or send an email to wilson at realestateguysradio.com.
0: Live where you want to live, but invest where the numbers make sense. Even better, invest where you have a solid team to support you. We've been hearing great things about Memphis, Tennessee, and Terry Kerr from MidSouth Homebuyers. Since 2002, Terry and his team have been delivering turnkey rental property solutions ideal for out-of-area real estate investors. So if you're looking for affordable, trouble-free turnkey investment property, call Terry. Use our resource hotline at 888-510-6838, extension 118. That's 888-510-6838, extension 118. Or find them in the resources area of our website at realestateguysradio.com. Hello, Robert Kiyosaki. Listen to the real estate guys. They're wild and crazy, but they really know what they're talking about. And welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program heard every weekend on this great radio station all the time at realestateguysradio.com. Thanks so much for making us the top downloaded podcast on real estate investing. We're talking with Tyler Cohey today and uh, trying to find out some of the tools he uses to help you save your mortgage. Before we get back to the interview with Tyler, it is time to play Real Estate Trivia. Your chance to win a prize by knowing our real estate trivia question. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to ask you a trivia question that has something to do with real estate. In fact, it has something to do with to do with our topic today. As soon as you hear the question and think you know the answer, send us an email to trivia at realestateguysradio.com, trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Include your name and mailing address, and if you're the winner, you'll get an autographed copy of Equity Happen, Building Lifelong Wealth with Real Estate, our book on real estate investing. The first person with the right answer gets a copy, then we take all the correct guesses for the week, have a drawing for a second copy, so that if you listen on the podcast, you still have a chance to win. Last week, it was Ask the Guys, and we've already got another Ask the Guys show in the works, because lots lots. The great questions we didn't get to last week but uh here was our question which u.s city has more golfers per capita than any other city in the country the answer minneapolis minnesota here's our trivia question for this week it has to do with our topic today which msa metropolitan statistical area which area of the country has the greatest percentage of homes in foreclosure The greatest percentage of homes in foreclosure. Now, it doesn't mean it has the most foreclosures, but of all the homes that it has, the greatest percentage are in foreclosure. What area is that? If you want to take a guess or if you know, send us the answer to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. That's trivia at realestateguysradio.com. And you might be the proud owner of Equity Happens, building lifelong wealth with real estate signed by the authors. That is today's real estate trivia question. Our guest today is Tyler Kohey and uh, he helps people figure out whether or not they're in a situation that can uh, stall or even stop a foreclosure. Now, Tyler, a lot of your folks, a lot of people that uh, are hiring you guys are owner-occupants. They live in the house. But does this strategy work
3: today for investors as well? Yes, it can be used on any type of property, whether it be residential or even commercial. Uh, so there's no limitations as far as occupancy or property type. Okay. It's a little bit evasive here
0: because what you guys do, different than a lot of companies out there, is you have a very multifaceted approach based on the individual situation. But the, the starting point is for someone to figure out if it's even possible to help them, which is this whole, let's take a look at the, the forensic accounting, if you will, of of what their property looks like and what the chain of title
3: is correct that's that's usually the first point to start and then from there we can draw a roadmap. but really starting with the audit to uncover what's happening that individual situation can help determine what your options are now do you see
0: that you're getting more influx of people interested or is it starting to taper out a bit what's kind of the sense of of where people are in the process
3: We've seen it be uh, pretty steady over the last year, uh, slightly increased after this whole Mortgage Settlement Act because of the increase of foreclosures. So we saw uh, a decline when foreclosures were were being halted and now an increase because lenders are now having to to disposition their loan modifications. Uh, Part of while you're in a loan modification, the lender's not supposed to be able to legally foreclose. So we're seeing more modifications get disposition, either accepted, or but mostly declined. And once they get declined, now homeowners need to find another option. And that is typically bankruptcy filing, but we offer another solution that doesn't require bankruptcy filing.
0: Now, when is it that somebody should come to you? I imagine you get people who there's the sale is this Friday, right? You get that. But is it the minute they know they're going to be late? Or at what point does it make sense to find out what where their positioning is?
3: Once a notice of default is filed, we can pull the, uh, the title documents and, and do the audit. Uh, before a notice of default is filed, there's no audit to be done at that point. So it's really for people, once they've got to the notice of default stage, that we can start to look for defects in the foreclosure process.
0: All right. Now, uh, as uh, you have uh, dealt with this for a long time, you've got a ton of information uh, about this. In fact, to put together a a report that is called How to Stop Foreclosure When Your Bank is Uncooperative. And uh, this is a situation that you see, that, that banks have you know stopped talking to people or taking their calls or they are moving forward. But you guys have come up with an amazing process to be able to get the bank's attention, if you will. So if you want to copy that report, uh, all you have to do is send an email to stop. At RealEstateGuysRadio.com, stop at RealEstateGuysRadio.com, and you can uh, learn all about the various ways that uh, you can halt, or forestall, or completely stop a foreclosure. And it's a changing landscape. Uh, you know, things are are always evolving in this area, which is why we wanted to check in with you and see what is really the truth in the street these days. And uh, again, we'll uh, look forward to uh, having you back on, and we'll we'll check back in to see how it's uh, how it's going. Uh, thanks for your time today, Tyler. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. All right, more we <laughs> Welcome back to the Real Estate Guys. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys Radio Network. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Need help with your
2: real estate investment portfolio? Check out the resources page at realestateguysradio.com.
3: Why is it that in every horror movie there's a pretty girl who goes into a creepy house and heads down into the scary basement? Nothing good ever happens in the basement. What is she thinking? I feel the same way when I continue to see Americans dump billions into 401ks, IRAs and mutual funds, even self-directed IRAs. On top of that, they continue to perpetuate the massive U.S. banking system by keeping large deposits at banks and using credit cards and other loans for purchases. Don't they realize what's going to happen? More profit for them and less profit for you. Nothing good ever happens in the basement. Now there's another way. Visit our friends at Paradigm Life by going to www.beerbank.com and learn how to become your own banker today.
4: As investors survey the country for markets and properties that will perform well for them over the next 5 to 10 years, one market in particular stands out. That's Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta was the second fastest growing MSA throughout the last decade. It's home to the world's busiest airport and has one of the highest concentrations of Fortune 500 companies in the country. Atlanta is expected to add 100,000 new people every year for the next 10 years, and just next year alone Atlanta is predicted to add over 50,000 new jobs. Now what if I told you you could buy fully renovated, leased and cash flowing investment properties in this market for half a replacement cost? That's right, three and four bedroom homes in good suburban neighborhoods that can be purchased completely renovated for 70 dollars to $90,000. At Georgia Residential Partners, this is exactly what we do. We've been helping investors all over the country make solid real estate purchases in Atlanta for almost seven years. Call us today at 770-924-5450 or check us out online at gainvesting.com.
3: Hi, I'm G. Edward Griffin, author of The Creature from Jekyll Island, a second look at the Federal Reserve. You're listening to The Real Estate Guys.
0: And welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. and the co-host seat this week, it's the godfather of real estate, Bob Helms. He's been investing in seven different decades and uh, things are uh, really cleared up now that we heard from Tyler, aren't they, Bob?
1: (laughs) Yeah, they really are. What a topic. Uh, You
0: know, I mean, there's just so much here. And and, and, uh, as we're talking, we're looking at all the things in the news this week. And there's a lot, right? In the last few weeks, the government has sued several big banks over the toxic mortgage securities. This is after the robo-signing settlement. The FDIC says these banks made false statements and deceived investors. A big surprise, right? Then you've got the Fed and the OCC who have announced a new framework under which banks that improperly foreclosed on homeowners will be able to compensate those homeowners, and people are up in arms about that. They came out with a story that said the the most compensation you could get is $125,000. Well, that is in extreme cases. The average compensation is low five figures. So there's all kinds of stuff on this topic. But, you know, as Tyler pointed out, what you really have to do is figure out Is your loan a problem? And if it is, do you have any leverage? Is it possible for you to even go down the road of getting it modified, of forestalling foreclosures, any of that? There are definitely problems with a lot of the paperwork, but it doesn't apply to everybody. But the bigger picture, I think, is just what do you want to do with your future, right? Is it time for you to let go of the property and move on? You know, we talked about Martin Andelman, and of course, he's been on the show, and uh, Martin has really become uh, the poster kid for helping the folks navigate this whole mess. Now, he's not an attorney. He's just a really great guy and a writer who puts out a lot of great information on his blog. If you Google Martin Andelman, you'll find Mandelman Matters, and there's great resources there, one of the top resource sites for people who are trying to understand. Also, you'll find information on uh, what Martin does in our Distressed Borrowers Help Center on our website at Real Estate Guys com, But he's out there leading the charge and bringing together information. And, and sadly, he's got no financial motive. He doesn't get paid for what he does. You can donate to his cause on his website and, and, and he'd appreciate it. And, and we'd be proud of you if you did. But there's some great information there. So so you really have to get in touch with whether or not uh, it makes sense for you to pursue some sort of change to your loan. And that bottom line is, do you want to keep the property? One of the things Martin talks about is a lot of folks who've decided to keep the property, it isn't financial. It isn't that they did the math. It's that it's where they raise their kids. It's that it's where all their friends and family are. It's all those kinds of things. So there's lots of reasons people want to hang on to a home. And today, you've got HAMP and the Tier 2 being open to investors. You have an investment property owners who think maybe a little differently than the homeowners do. For them, it's more about the, the numbers, but there are some resources available today. So if you go to our website at realestateguysradio.com, you can find our Distressed Borrower Help Center under the Resources tab, and you'll see there's some things you can do, things like the REST Report. The REST Report is a really interesting model where financially, you can see what the bank sees, see what they're doing is they're making a decision on whether or not they modify based on discounted future cash flows of what your modification will be worth compared to what it would be worth today to foreclose in the property. Up until the rest report, you haven't had the opportunity to know that. You've had to go in blind. Today, you can do that. Today, there are some tools where you can actually put together an approximation of what the lender will see when it comes to a modification. One of the tools you'll see is the ability to find out whether or not your loan is a Fannie or Freddie loan. And if it is, there's some good news and there's some bad news there. So it's more than we have time to get into today. But what we really want to do is have folks who aren't in any trouble understand what the State of the Union is. And those of you that are in some kind of trouble with the mortgage to understand there still is help There still are resources and still every single day people are getting their loans modified
1: yeah i think martin's a great resource by the way he's easy to get to he's been around this business whole this whole loan game from the beginning i know you've had him on the show going back a couple of years so that's a pretty good place to get acquainted with the topic is to go to his website he's a guy who's not blaming anybody but he's saying if you're in the situation, how can we get out of it? So he's about as good a resource from a believability point of view as anybody I can think of. And then, of
0: course, if you want to find out if you've got any leverage at all in this kind of a situation, then probably the best thing to do is order Tyler's report. Just send an email to stop at realestateguysradio.com and see what your tools and, and opportunities might be to stop a foreclosure. And and many times that's what's, what happens is you, you stop an eminent foreclosure to find out what do we have to work with? What are we going to go do, and can this mortgage be saved? Hey, we wanted to let you know about an event coming up we are super excited about in Dallas, Texas, we're doing our two-day event analyzing markets and properties, the due diligence process. This is such an important topic for real estate investors, but I don't know anybody that teaches it. We haven't done this class since 2006, despite lots of pressure from students to do it and we finally decided we're going to do it. we're going to videotape it. It's going to be an extraordinary uh, couple of days, a lot of work, however,
1: you know when- When you talk about urgent, if you're an investor, I don't see how you can play this game without understanding the urgency of due diligence. We all talk about due diligence. It's bandied about as though there were a specific manual that we picked up, we read, and we went and did it. Guess what? It's not about that at all for your particular situation. In other words, due diligence is not the same process with everything you acquire. The principles are the same. The things we look at, the things that are important are the same, but you've got to apply it to the property. So we look at several things. Due diligence starts with not the property, Starts with the marketplace.
0: Yeah, day one of this uh, event is really about how we analyze markets. How do you find the next hot market? How do you know where the puck is going? What makes a great real estate market? And how can you find out the information to tell you that? It's not a mystery. It's just people don't know. So we're going to show you all kinds of tools and give you lots of resources to be able to pick the next hot market. And then on day two, it's really all about the property. What do you need to do in terms of inspections, physical inspections, reports that are generated, disclosures from. The seller, how do you decide if it makes sense to go ahead with a deal once it's consummated?
1: There are tons of options for you. And the primary mindset you need is that I want to learn everything I can that's important to me about this property before I consummate the deal, before I close the escrow. So, what's available to me? What's important? Where do I go to get those things? And, gee, who's going to pay for it?
0: So come on out to Dallas, Texas, July 20th and 21st. All the information is available on our website at realestateguysradio.com under events. Hey, big thanks to Tyler Cohey for his insight today. Big thanks to Martin Andelman just for always doing such a great job on his website. And next week, the Real Estate Guys, Russell Gray, will be back in the co-host seat. And we'll have lots more for you. Until then, go out and make some equity happen.
2: This episode of the Real Estate Guys Radio Show is brought to you by Paradigm Life, powerful cash management strategies using life insurance. Learn more at beyourbank.com. Mid South Home Buyers, low cost, turnkey cash flow properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Corporate Direct, asset protection strategies for real estate investors from attorney and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton.